Happy Veterans Day, a day late to our veterans. Jeremy was talking about heroes, uh, veterans coming out of a military family. I say everybody does in some form or fashion. Both of my grandfathers in the military and uh, certainly saw heroes right there close to me. My grandfather's mentor, a pastor who's gone on to be with the Lord for many years now, he, uh, he was in the Army and stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. And uh, I remember being a kid and uh, playing with a little army jeep and him saying, remember when I was about 22 years old, uh, driving a jeep around uh, France, uh, and uh, I'm thankful God brought me home. And I remember him telling me that, and I'm a six, seven-year-old boy, and uh, just amazed and, and, and bewildered by this, this wonderful story. But as I've grown older, I've realized it's a true story. And uh, it's not a tall tale somebody made up. These stories of heroic things. During times of peace and during times of war, uh, the service is still the same. You, uh, you've given yourself as a, uh, a sacrifice for our country, and, and I do appreciate that. So happy Veterans Day, and uh, we thank you for your service. Those that have now passed on, gone to be with the Lord, it seems that there's fewer and fewer that have, have served, and, and uh, it's definitely a different day. But I do appreciate you, and our church appreciates you. Good to be here this morning. Boy, I am full uh, from this past week. I'm just thankful for the spirit of revival. Uh, those that uh, attended, we thank you for being here and being faithful to our revival meeting. And uh, we know there's a lot going on with health and travel and things, so we understand. But uh, if, you, if you missed it, you missed a blessing, and uh, certainly a blessing. Glad to, glad to have been here. Pastor Ricky, I talked to him. Uh, we talked, I think, Friday. We've texted a little bit back and forth. And he just wanted me to thank you. Uh, for the hospitality and for uh, for having you having him out here, and thank you for your generous love offering. So I appreciate you doing that. I knew our church would take good care of him, and and uh, he is uh, he's a true blessing to me, and uh, been a wonderful mentor. And I was, I, like I said the other night, I was trying to let him be my pastor, but God had other plans. And uh, Pastor Jason as well was very thankful to be here, and wanted me to thank you for uh, the opportunity and your love shown towards him. So. Glad to be here this evening. We've switched our college and young adults potluck over to Cracker Barrel for a few different reasons. So we'll just go to Cracker Barrel when we get done. Somebody else can cook. So uh, I like Cracker Barrel. They, they got anything uh, that I that I want. So uh, glad to glad to do that. We'll head over right after the evening service this evening. Um, very excited with something real quick before we give you the message. Uh, I talked with Miss Faith Baker the other day, and I'd ask you to go ahead and make your way up if you would, and uh, bless my heart to talk to Miss Faith the other day, and uh, she has some news to tell you, you may have seen it in the bulletin, but God's called her into the mission field, and uh, I asked her, I said, would you care to share with the church, and she said, well, I, I don't know, she came to me the other night, and she said, if I don't tell somebody, if I don't tell the church, it's just going to get worse, this burden's going to get worse. And I say that is God's hand on someone truly burdening their heart. And so I appreciate you. She's going to share with you a little bit about her burden and her calling, and then we'll give you the message. You come up. Thank you. This morning I didn't really know what exactly to say. And... I still honestly don't know what to say yet. 
but I know that God has called me to be a missionary. I don't know when I'm going into the mission field yet, and I don't know exactly where. I just ask for everyone to pray for me, please. Thank you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I challenge you, please, please pray for Faith. Please take it upon yourself to pray for her. Because I told her when I talked to her, I said, you know, you're called into the ministry when you're called into missions. And God gives you a burden for missions. And I said, it seems crazy, but what you're going to do is you're going to pray, well, Lord, give me a burden for a people or a place or a thing. And then when God gives you a burden for that, you're going to say, Lord, well, give me a burden for specific people. And Lord, give me a burden for... You just keep praying. When you're in the ministry, burdens just keep coming. But burdens are a blessing. And, uh, and, and I have been told that uh, it, one of the greatest blessings of a church is when people are called up from out of your congregation. And so we're blessed. And I thank you, Faith. And you can, you can see and feel the conviction uh, for, for emissions on her, and I thank the Lord for that. So we're very excited. You pray for her and pray for God's direction uh, for, for the ministry that he's going to give her and where he's going to call, call her. And what a blessing it is, I believe when the time comes, we'll have somebody that we're supporting as Mountain View that's from Mountain View. What a blessing that is. God's good to us. Amen. Well, good to be here this morning. I am... Uh, Man, I'm full, and I'm excited to preach this morning, and God's burdened my heart. Turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 with me, if you would. Glad to see a number that have been out, Miss, Miss Banks here, and uh, glad to see Miss Helen Gordon back with us, and uh, we've still got Dwayne Harden we need to be praying for, pray for you, Land Maben family, uh, pray for the Hill family. There's a lot to be praying for, a lot of people facing different things, and let's pray for our, our church family and those around us, and we thank the Lord uh, for, for those that are back with us. And uh, so let's pray. We've got some at home watching that are, that are sick and facing different things, some that has been in the hospital recently. So let's just pray for our church folks. And uh, I know that they're out there watching, and we love you, uh, those that aren't able to be here. And so stand with me when you find your place in Genesis 3. I thank the Lord for his burdens each week in a message. And this week has just been especially heavy, and I thank the Lord for that. We are uh, uh, blessed to be in your presence today, and I'm thankful for God's precious word. Genesis 3, let's look beginning in verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to make tree to be desired to make one wise she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat now look especially at verse number seven is where my heart has been turned this morning and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for these people that have gathered together. We thank you for our church family and our loved ones, Lord, that are here today. Lord, those that we love and care for that are not able to be with us, but maybe uh, joining us, us online, God, we pray for them. I pray, God, that you would touch them and bless them. Lord, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. I am going to dive right into this this morning because I've got a lot that I want to share with you, and uh, we may not get done this morning. We may roll over into the night, and that'll be okay. Uh, but I'm thankful for God's grace and his mercy. Amen. I'm thankful that he has chosen to give me forgiveness and I've been offered salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that uh, he saw fit while I was yet a sinner. His son Jesus Christ came and he died for me. Uh, I'm thankful that God loves me and he sees me for who I am and he knows that I, I deal with sin. He knows that I deal with temptation and he knows that I face things that, that, that I can't control, that there's things that come in this mind that because of sin and because of my flesh that I can't get out, uh, but only through his help and only through his love that I can prevail over sin, only by his grace and the mercy in his son Jesus Christ can I turn from my wicked ways and take up his cross and follow him. But yet he gives me the love he gives me the grace. He gives me the peace when I don't live like it, when I don't follow him like I should, when I don't study like I should, when I don't pray like I should. He gives me peace. He gives me love. He gives me grace. He gives me hope. He gives me tomorrow. He reminds me of my salvation, and I thank God for that today. And I was thinking about it. We've all, every one of us in this building, we have all faced and dealt with sin and temptation. Amen? If you hadn't, you, you deal with honesty as your issue. We've all dealt with it. We've all faced it. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I was reading through Genesis, and I was looking at Adam and Eve, and I realized something. We're not that different. We're not that different. The, the serpent, which the Bible tells us was the most subtle of all the beasts, I don't know how, Ain't nothing. They're, they're subtle till they run up on you. They do sneak up on you. But I wouldn't be sitting there talking to them, I guarantee you that. I'd have been looking for a hoe. Eve, she is beguiled by this serpent. She's tempted by, by Satan. And she takes of that tree, the fruit of that tree. 
And then Adam takes of the fruit of that tree. We know, and I, I'm just kind of skimming through this because I, my, our meat of the message is on down through verse 7 through on through 21, but she takes of the fruit of that tree, and what happens to man? After Adam and Eve fall into sin, God has to send them out of the garden. They break their fellowship with God because they've sinned, and they didn't obey Him, and they didn't listen to Him. What a, what a mess we get ourselves in when we do not obey God and His Word. Amen? The devil twists God's Word. The devil subtly changes God's Word and tells Eve some things about God that's not true. And she listened to it. And is that not the same thing we face today? Well, first, I, I would tell you this morning that we're not that different because we want what God has expressly for, forbidden. We look at the fruit of that tree, that thing that God says, touch not the unclean thing, those things that God tells us to stay away from, and we want it, we can't help it. The Bible tells me and tells you that we're all drawn of our own lust. We all face different things. There's things you like that I don't care nothing about. <clears throat> There's things that I like that you wouldn't care anything about. We're all drawn of our own lust individually. Why? Because the devil knows what we like. And the things which God has said to stay away from are attractive to us. Look at these kids. My son, I, I, we were sitting in uh, my, my, I've got my, my uh, computer in a, in a little office, and Shelby has a, a little uh, little chair she gets ready. She laid the curling iron down. Said, that's not, that's hot, son. Stay away from that. And he just kept getting closer, kept getting closer, kept, kept getting closer. That's hot. That's going to burn you. Guess what happened? He got burned. Are we not the same about sin? We want to know about the things which God has expressly forbidden. And the things that God has forbidden... We are attracted to because we don't know anything about them. And guess what happens when you start touching that unclean thing? And when you start eating that fruit, you're going to like that fruit. Your flesh is going to enjoy that fruit. And, you, and, and then we see this as children grow up and they come to what we call the age of accountability where they truly begin to understand right and wrong, not of a moral fashion, but of a spiritual fashion, what God wants them to do and what God forbids them to do. And we all have things that are forbidden that we love. <coughs> Adam and Eve, they take part of this tree and what happens to them? They break their fellowship with God, the one that created them. Now, they were a little different than you and me because they were not created in sin. Adam was formed from the dust of the earth and the breath of God breathed into his nostrils. And then Eve was taken from the side of Adam, from one of his ribs. And so we know and understand that they came uh, uh, out of a different creation. They were created, uh, they, were, they, were not, uh, they were innocent in the sense that they had not been born in sin. But every creature since then, Eve would become the known of the, the mother of all living, the mother of all beings, the mother of all things, uh, uh, man and woman that would walk upon the earth. And everyone born from the lineage of Adam and Eve, which that is every one of us in here today, we are of sin. We're born into sin. These children saw our new... I, I felt bad because I didn't speak to our new visitor, Wilder. I'm sorry, buddy. The new visitor, I didn't even speak to him. You see that little baby, and the only thing 
wrong about that baby he's got a Georgia shirt on. But you look at these children, and that is the closest to perfection a human being ever is going to be. Because there's innocence and there's purity there that they, they don't have these wicked thoughts. And, and you have kids, and you begin to realize, my goodness, we have to guard their purity and their, their innocence. And we see this, this little child, and what happens is, as they grow, my own children, as they grow, they begin to die. Just like you and me. We are, we're creatures. We, we have a time stamp. Only God knows but there is a time stamp on us. We, we're coming to a day where we will die or we'll go by the rapture. Praise the Lord if we do. But there's coming a day for all of us. It's appointed unto every man wants to die. And during that time, because of sin, because of our wickedness, we want what God's forbidden. It's just attractive to us. We just enjoy it. We just love it. We, we just chase after it. So we want what God's forbidden. <coughs> Verse 6 the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave him also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And so sin is reproductive because I do it and somebody else sees me do it and I get somebody else to do it and somebody else does it and people do it and, and, and everybody sees me do it and then now everybody's doing it. Sin is a reproductive thing. Verse 7 is where my heart is really turned this morning. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. There's a difference here. What happened? They knew that they were naked. It tells us back in chapter 2, verse 25, and they both were naked, and the man and his wife, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now this tells us back in verse 25 of chapter 2, that this was man and wife. Yet they realized that they were in their nakedness, and they weren't, they weren't ashamed at the point before they took of the fruit. And then afterwards, they realized it, and they were ashamed of it. There had been a revelation because of sin. And, and I was thinking about that. In the confines of marriage is where a man and a woman should be naked together. Amen? That's the only place. There's no intention outside of marriage for a, a man and woman to be naked together. But moreover than their nakedness, they were ashamed of themselves in the sight of one another, one another because of sin. We're not that different today. But what I feel and what my heart was dealt with by the Lord today was that we do not recognize our nakedness anymore. Because we're living in a day that has turned so wicked and has become so wicked, people are not honest about what sin is. Beyond just nakedness, talk, and not just, just, just nakedness, this wasn't necessarily or expressly sexual immorality at this time, but beyond our nakedness, any sin out there, the things that, that's put out there, the, the lust and the fornication, the adultery, the, the pornography, the, the, the alcoholism, the drug, drug addictions, the, the gossip, the gluttony, all those things, we don't even realize we're naked anymore because people are not honest about sin. Even in the church house, people don't have convictions about sin. People don't deal with sin. They don't talk about sin. They're not honest with young people about sin. And we're raising up a generation today that they are proud of their nakedness and they never realized they were naked to begin with. They think that their sin is something to be proud of. So young people, I'm glad you're sitting right here. I'm thankful, thankful you're sitting here. Be careful. Because what the devil wants to do to you 
is make you proud of your nakedness and make you proud of your sin. He wants to make you uh, uh, rise up, and you're going to. You're young. I've, I've done the same. I'm still dealing with the same stuff. I think you've got to get seasoned before you can uh, truly get to the point where you can start shunning things of your youth. There's some things you're going to be proud of. You're going to like in arrogance, and, and you're going to run around in those things, and you're going to be excited about the things you're in. I did the same thing. But I tell you, at your age, what you can get serious about is the sin in your life. And if you can get serious about those things and be honest about those things, unlike Adam and Eve, they saw those things. What, what happened? Well, the Bible tells us that they hid from God when they heard his voice. When you're not serious and honest about your sin, I'm going to preach to everybody else now. When you're not serious and honest about your sin, what happens is you hide from God when you hear his voice. And more, furthermore, when you, when, what we'll see in the scriptures later is that when God does come to you and God does deal with you, you'll blame it on somebody else. That's what Eve did, and that's what Adam did. And so when we're not serious and we're not honest about our nakedness, we will have a very hard time coming to where we're at in verse 21, where it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. See, what we're building up to in these verses is that God would go and God would sacrifice an animal to cover that sin that Adam and Eve had. And we've got to get honest from the root of the sin rather than being proud of our nakedness. But we're at a point now, people out in the world, they, they used to be reprobate church people. Everybody's like, man, they just, they're living in it, they're open, they're proud, they're happy of their sin. Now pride, in any form and fashion, comes hand in hand with our culture. We're proud of sin. We're proud of these things. Oh, some book that's 6,000 years old tells me that I'm wrong? I don't care. I'm not going to let them. Why would we expect people that have been, never been taught about their nakedness to let the Bible speak into their life? We're not honest. To, we don't even see our nakedness anymore. Generations now that have never been to church, never been taught right from wrong, I've said it time and time again, the meanest kid, I could take you to his house, I could call his name, I could show you his picture in the yearbook. Meanest little rascal I ever went to school with, grandma still took him to church. Now, man, we've lost that. Grandma and grandpa don't go, go to church anymore. Mom and dad don't go to church anymore. And we expect young people to understand their nakedness. Society's telling them to live in it and be prideful in it. We don't recognize our nakedness anymore. Verse 7, the end of that verse. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. We don't recognize our nakedness like we should, and we try when we do, or when we think we do, we try to get by on our own righteousness. They realized that they were naked, and what did they do? They went and they got some leaves off of a fig tree, and they made themselves aprons. Well, there's two, two problems about the aprons that they made to cover their nakedness. The first thing is that the fig leaves on that tree, they could decay, and they would decay. They were, they were something that, that when, the, when the weather sets in and the winter set in and time passed, those, those fig leaves that covered their, their, their body, they would decay. The other thing about these aprons that they made is the Bible tells us that they were aprons. It only covered part of their sin. 
You see, we, would, we deal with a God. He can't take you with only part of your sin covered. You say, well, I'm sorry. Or I, I'm sorry. Feel, hey, feeling sorry is different than repenting to our Savior and asking for salvation. He can't take sorry and let sorry into heaven. He can't take good intentions and let intentions into heaven. He can't take, well, I'm going to try to do different. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. He can't take, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be a good person or I'm just going to go here or there. I wonder how many come to the house of God week after week and you're coming to gather fig leaves together because you're trying to cover up the sin, which we find in verse 21, that our Savior Jesus Christ can completely cover, can completely perfect, can completely take care of, can completely put away, but you're coming to church to get fig leaves because you're only half in. That's what our preacher preached about the other night, being all in or half in, all out. You come and we get righteous about things. We get self-righteous about things. We get religious about things. And the devil wants to trick us into thinking, if I could just go to church... I'm going to go get me some fig leaves. What happens? Those good feelings that you get when you don't get all in, they're going to decay. You're going to have to come back. I don't come to church to get covered, to get covered up every week. I come to church to celebrate that I've been covered up forever. Woo. I'm coming and I'm looking for the fig leaves. You're looking for the wrong thing. Coming to church, it's only part, partial covering. And really, in the eyes of God, it's no covering. But all you're doing is making an apron. It doesn't completely cover their nakedness. Why? They were ashamed. They were ashamed of all that was seen between one another. And they only partially covered themselves. What happens in verse 8? And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden... In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Another thing we see where we're not different is we flee from God's presence because his authority requires us to change. You see, they covered up their sin in their eyes and their mind, and then when the Spirit of God comes on the scene, they went and hid because they knew they had disobeyed God. They knew they had disappointed God. They knew that they, had, had, they still had nakedness covered up. They, they, they may have not realized it at the moment, but if you know, you know. If you search the depths of your heart, truly, spiritually, if you pray for the Holy Ghost of God to deal with you about your life and your walk and your sin, He'll show you. But so often, <clears throat> when the presence of God shows up, Church-going people, church members, baptized people, officers, pastors, preachers, teachers, they flee from the presence of God because they know the authority of God. This is the man that created them. I, I'm afraid when we say, well, God, this is the God that created us. I've shared recently, we have a problem with, with getting honest with God because we have such a low view of God. <clears throat> these, these folks were present. When he created them. And they looked at him as their creator in a way that I don't believe anybody else understands. Here he comes. Here he comes. We're naked. We're, on, we're covered up. But we're naked. I feel wrong. I feel uncomfortable. I hear his voice. 
This is different. Usually he just appears right to us. He comes right to us. Fellowship's broken. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's going on. I don't feel like I used to. And what they do? They went and they hid. We flee from God's presence because his authority requires us to change. And what happens when he comes face to face with them is he deals with them in their sin. And we know, Christian, we know lost person that maybe the, the Holy Ghost has dealt with you about conviction. We know that if we're going to face God, it's going to require us to change something. And that makes us uncomfortable. We also know when we've been religious about things. Because when you've had the coat of skins put on you, when, you, when there's been an animal sacrificed in your name, when Jesus Christ's blood has been applied to your heart, you know the authority of God. You know right from wrong. You know the reason people in the world lost people? Why they have no care about sin? They don't realize it's wrong. There's some book that tells them it's wrong. But the Holy Ghost has not moved inside of them and revealed and showed to them how truly wrong it is. You see, he deals with us when he comes to save us. And we realize that we're headed for hell. We realize sin is wrong. But as you walk with the Lord, he begins dealing with you about stuff you never would have thought he would have dealt with you about. We flee from God's presence because his authority requires us to change. And then we get mad at God when our fellowship is broken. And they heard the voice, verse 8, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They fleed from his presence. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He says, Lord, I feared. It's the first time that we see human fear come up in the Bible. We're, we're just three chapters in, but we see fear come up. And we fear the one who can redeem us and free us from hell. They feared the one who come to them, and he was going to chastise them. He was going to deal with them. He was going to be honest with them about their sin. But he had grace and mercy to go sacrifice an animal to cover that sin. Yet they feared him. We flee from God's presence, and then we get mad at God when our fellowship is broken. And it's not necessarily what it's saying in this text, but I was thinking about this, and God was dealing with me about this, and, and, and how often we, we get mad at God about things or, or we get frustrated about things. And I, I've come to learn and realize that there's no use in doing that because God's will and God's purpose, not to say I'll never do it again, but God's will and God's plan is going to take place no matter what. But when we can't understand things, Somebody has to pay the price. And so often we point the finger at God. Well, Lord, you're, you're God, you're Redeemer, you're Savior, you're Creator. You did all these things, and you let this bad thing happen to me? Lord, I, I, I didn't get that job, or, or Lord, you didn't open up this door, or this person, uh, they, they've gotten sick, or they're, not diff they're, not, they're different than they used to be, or they don't talk to me anymore, or they've gotten mad at me, or they've got frustrated about something, or, 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 or school's not going well. I'm not doing well here, here and I'm not doing well there. I'm not doing the, this is not going so well, and my relationship with my kids is not where it be, needs to be. And we get mad at God because of things that have taken place. And we blame God because our fellowship ain't where it needs to be. 
And it was us that took part of the fruit that we should have never touched. We've got to be careful, folks. Because this devil, the serpent, the Bible explains as a roaring lion. He loves when we're in this position. We said, Lord, I hid from you. I was afraid. I'm naked. I'm scared. We make excuses for our fellowship of God with God not to be correct and not to be right. We make, make excuses of why we weren't where we were supposed to be. God doesn't want to hear that. He's coming with chastisement, but he's also coming with salvation. We get mad at God when our fellowship's broken. Verse 11, and he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? He says, the only reason you're going to know you're wrong is because you did what I told you not to do. And that's so true in our lives today. Is, is we do things that are wrong and God has something to deal with us about. Now there's times when we come into the presence of God and we come into his presence and, and we're prayed up and we're ready and we're, 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 we're trying to do right and we're seeking truth and maybe in a time of prayer or maybe in a time of Bible study and his precious Holy Ghost comes down and touches us and, and we just, just are filled up with his blessings. But more times than not, I come to God and I have to say, Lord, before I talk to you, because I've learned what it takes to talk to God, that's another lesson that we learn, is what it takes to deal with God on a level that we can get a blessing out of dealing with God is it requires us to confess our sins. Lord, I'm coming to you again. This is me most of the time. Forgive me about this, Lord. Forgive me about this. And, and, and listen, don't be... I used, to, I used to pray when I was a kid. Lord, forgive me of anything I've done, even the things I've forgotten. Forgive me for, for shooting my brother with a BB gun. Or We've all done that. If you've got a brother, you understand. Forgive me for, for, for getting mad or saying a word I shouldn't say. And Lord, if there's anything I forgot, Lord, forgive me. Anybody else ever done that? I've learned it's better to wait for the Holy Ghost to deal with you about sins you've done for God. Man, I forgot I did that. I didn't realize. I didn't even realize I did that. I didn't even realize. I didn't even think about that. Because when we go to God and we say, Lord, forgive me, that's when he can put the most into us. That's when he can talk to us in the way that he intends to. That's when he can truly bless us is with repentance. Now, there's times, like I said, you just get the Lord blesses and the Lord touches and we fellowship with God. He touches us and he blesses us, and he, but he's always going to speak into our life and he's always going to show us we're wrong. Why? Because we're wicked creatures. And the culture today that won't be honest and won't realize the nakedness is a culture that God has a hard time dealing with, not because of his power, but because of the hardness of men's heart against nakedness and sin. We know we're wrong and we hide from the man who has the answers as they hid from him. Verse 12, it says, And the man said, The woman who thou gavest to be with me. Look at this. And the man said, This was Adam's first response. And blows my mind. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest. He's talking to God. That woman you gave me. She started all this. This is where everybody loves blaming Eve 
for everything. But God established marriage, and God called the man to lead and guide. How else would Eve know? I believe a lot of the problem is Adam wasn't the man he needed to be in the garden. Adam didn't lead like he needed to lead in the garden. Now, we know there's differences and complexities with our relationship, uh, complex to our minds because we can't understand a perfect garden. But he says, that woman you gave me, man, she started this whole thing. I was excited. She was going to cook for me. She said, here you go. She's the cook of the family. Man, we make excuses, don't we? And we skirt the blame to somebody else. Before we think Eve was an angel, look at verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Eve said, Well, it was the devil. Adam said it was Eve. Eve said it was the devil. And we do the same thing today because we're not that different. We skirt the blame off to somebody else. I've learned one thing drilled into my head growing up is honesty. Honesty. Owning up to your sin. Owning up to a mistake you've made, even if it's not sin. Being able to stand up and say, hey, I did this. I did this. But so quickly. Now, we grow up, and we may not say it with our mouth. We'll take, we'll take some heat from somebody, but we get in the car and we're like, well, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have done this. Or if so-and-so didn't do this, I wouldn't do this. If it wasn't for my wife, or if it wasn't for that credit card, if it wasn't for the bank, I've heard that before. Give somebody a loan. Well, if you hadn't given me this loan, I wouldn't have made this mistake. We deal in dollars and cents at the bank. We don't deal in excuses. God don't either. We make so many excuses and we want to blame somebody else. We're not that different, are we? It's about the same deal. It's the same formula because the formula that the devil used on Adam and Eve, he tried on Jesus Christ and he does on us today. It's the same thing. And we're the same foolish people. We like to shift the blame to somebody else. Then we make endless excuses. Now, some people, they wrong coming to you about stuff. And you're just like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. They ain't going to hear it. My daddy, I'm not going to give my daddy excuses. Because I've learned the more excuses, the more lashes. Amen? We ought to learn, as I've said recently, God deals in blood. And he deals in the blood of Jesus Christ. And if he were to come back at this very moment, what would your excuse be? Well, I got my fig leaves on. I've been to church this morning. God only deals in blood. And the only blood he accepts is the blood of Jesus Christ. If you cannot stand before him and say, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ, you will not go to heaven. You will go to hell. Adam and Eve, they stand before him and they have all these excuses. And they made these mistakes and they did these things wrong. God doesn't deal in excuses. 
And you got some people, they will live their whole life like Eeyore, moping around because, well, this happened to me and this ain't fair and this ain't right. No. Hey, God loves you, but he don't accept all, the, all those things. You can't stand before him and say, well, this, I had bad luck here. I had bad this. He's going to tell you luck don't exist. I didn't hear a lot of amens on that one. Thank you, Sam. Well, I had this happen. God doesn't deal in those things. Now, God loves you, and God will give you grace and mercy despite of the hardships of your life, and he has. Praise the Lord. But he deals in blood. You can't go to God and say, well, I had a bad life, or I was dealt a bad hand. He don't, he don't accept that. He deals in blood. Why do I say that? We make endless excuses, but finally, verse 21, we are in desperate need of a Savior. Unto Adam also and to his wife, and the Lord God did made coats of skins and clothed them. They go through, and, and, and God lays a curse upon man, which we still with the, deal with today. You hate your job, man? You hate your job? Go to Genesis chapter 3, and you'll find out why you got to work. Woman, you dread having a baby? You dread childbirth? Go to Genesis chapter 3, and you'll find out why we have to deal with these things. The curse that was laid upon man this day, still we still face today. He said, God tells him, Adam, that he will live by the sweat of his brow, that he'll eat from the fruit of the ground, that he'll grow thorns and thickets. And he tells Eve that the man would rule over Eve. He tells Eve that, that she would have pain in childbearing. There's a curse laid upon them that is still existent today. But in verse 21, and God knows everything. You say, well, if God knew everything, somebody said, some, some, genius put on Facebook the other day. I, I need to get off there. Some genius put on Facebook the other day, commented on a post, if God, if, if God hadn't put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, we wouldn't be in this mess. Fool. Fool. God's ways are not our ways. I don't know why God did that. What I do know is rather than taking Adam and Eve, our grandma and grandpa, and rolling them up and putting them in the trash can, he went out. Oh, praise the Lord. He went out. I'm almost done, I promise. But we've got to get to the good part because I'm going to have to leave you on something happy. Verse 21, Jesus Christ, the first picture that we see of Jesus Christ. God knows everything, today, tomorrow, forever. He knew when he was going to Adam and Eve, and he would deal with them about their sin. He knew that what he would do in verse 21 is he would turn around and he would go find a creature that he had created. And that creature that was innocent there, eating of its grass and, and, and drinking by the stream, that creature would be taken and that creature would be killed and blood would be spilled and it would give its skin that could go and cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Rather than God destroying man for all creation, God saw fit to save Adam and Eve. And I thank the Lord today. The picture of Jesus Christ that we see here is while we were yet sinners, he, somebody, something died for Adam and Eve. And today, while we were yet sinners, it was Jesus Christ that gave his life's blood for you and for me. And I thank God this morning. If you can't get joy about that, I don't know why, why we come looking for fig leaves because if we can't get joy in the skin, that the blood that was shed, if it, the things that cover our sin, the one who gave his life on behalf of you and me, 
who stood in the way and was nailed to a cross that I deserved, died a death that I deserved. And we can't get excited about that. There's two things. You're either backslidden or you're lost. 